What does your visual brand identity say about your brand? Let's talk about that in a second. Welcome to the Brand Telling Podcast, where we share secrets, systems, and strategies you can use to unleash the power of story to build and grow your brand. The Brand Telling Podcast is brought to you by the award-winning team at Communication Strategy Group, bringing a combined 50-plus years of publishing, agency, and client strategy, creative, and tactical marketing experience. Please welcome your hosts, Principal and Chief Brand Teller, Arthur Germain, and Creative Director, Michael Simbrom. This is Arthur Germain. And this is Mike Simbrom. And today on the Brand Telling Podcast, we're going to talk about creating your visual brand. You know, the way that most people think of brand, whenever I, I, I talk about, you know, what is a brand, people always say, it's your logo, right? And I say, it's not really your logo. It's kind of all those things that go into making your story. But the reality is, you know, the first thing that people think about you is, you know, what they see and what your brand looks like. And it's that that logo, it's that color, it's that look and feel, you know, your website, your yeah, business it's, cards. You know, it's, it's kind of logical to think that the logo is uh, closely connected to brand just because of the history of it. Back in the days when brands were beginning, it's when they burned something, some shape onto a cow so they could identify it. That's right. Branding, you know, was uh, stick the irons in a fire and then steam it into a cow. And, and when, when people would steal the cows, one of the things they did is they stole the brand. They would, you know, modify the brand. Hijack it, yeah. Just slightly. You know, it's the flying W. No, it's... It's the Flying triple WW, you know? Lightning bolt or something, yeah. Mike, uh, maybe you could talk to me and tell us all about kind of your best tips for developing uh, a strong brand image. Well, the first thing to do is, is there's a lot of research involved. And the first part of that research is talking to your client and asking a lot of questions. Hopefully they haven't come from a place where they're going, well... I want a brand that looks like something because I really like rhinoceroses and I like the color pink. So we're going to have pink rhinoceroses as the symbol for this you know, software product that I'm... Although, selling. you know, pink rhino would be a good kind of a band. Yes, yeah, it turns out it might be something. But Preconceived ideas um, that people have because of their personal, you know, favorite things. But if they're thinking about it properly, what they're doing is trying to think about what image they're putting out to their consumers, their customers. What do they want to see? So they have a software product. Who's it being marketed to? Is it being marketed to kids? Is it being marketed to adults? Is it being marketed to... Uh, business people or medical community or you know whichever demographic that might be those are the people that you most want to appeal to not necessarily the boss who likes pink rhinos right so when uh, when you sit down with someone and you have that discussion what uh, where do you start what do you what do you typically want to ask somebody to do when you talk about doing their homework well I generally try to find out what's in their head to begin with so I ask them if they have had you know particular images it can doesn't have to be a logo it could be a website or an ad or something just to kind of get some kind of a gauge of, of what their tastes are because you know you do want to, of course you know please <laughs> please the customer him or herself yeah and but, it should reflect where they're where they're coming from right it's got to reflect the, kind of their ideas yeah so you definitely want to pull that into it and then you want to have a discussion with them about you know what it is about that particular thing they like they may show you you know half a dozen websites that don't look anything like each other but to them there's something there's some unifying characteristic that is in their head and um, it's up to you to, to gracefully find out what that is. Once you start 
finding those unifying characteristics out, you start getting a shape of what you know they're thinking of for their look and feel. Even if it's not a logo yet, you're starting to get a, what their sensibilities are, what their color schemes are, what their you know font choices might be, or none of the above. Maybe they just like these particular sites because there was a lot of white space or there was no white space. But they always give you clues. It's kind of like being you know a bit of a sleuth at the beginning stages. Are, are there some uh, kind of hot design trends that... Uh, that you're seeing right now around logo design when you mentioned the typeface or the or, or the logo icon itself? You know, it's very hard to pin that down because like any kind of a style, it, it goes through cycles. You know, wide tie, skinny tie, short skirt, you know, long skirt. So you'll see things come in and out of style. You know, I've been doing this for a while and I've seen certain typefaces go in and out of style. I've seen, I mean, you can even watch the, the evolution of um, Apple's brand as they went from a fairly flat look to a bevel shadowed look and then back to a, a flat look again. You right. know, it's kind of reflecting what's going on in, in the market. What about, uh, what about color and color choice? How do you, how do you approach that? Color choice is a little bit more of a specific thing because the color choices for a given season do have kind of leaders in the field. And you can watch that happen in in many places in the fashion field, fabric manufacturers. You'll see color choices coming out of Europe. What are going to be the hot colors for the upcoming season? Right. Pantone chose greenery as the color for 2017. Yeah. And they'll often give you, in addition to the primary colors that they're talking about, what are the good, you know, complementary colors to work with them? So, you know, if you want to follow that trend, that's great. Sometimes that, you know, if you're working with a fashion-forward company, that may be where you want to be. You don't want to get locked into that, though, because you may want to go exactly the opposite of what the current trend is because that way you're standing out. Do, do logos or should logos kind of reflect uh, the industry they're in, whether it's the, the typeface being used or the color being used? Or, or do you want to kind of stand out, as you were just saying? You know, that kind of depends on the personality. The homework you did at the beginning is important. You will find a lot of companies who kind of want to stay in lockstep, want to be you know, seen as a member of the medical community or the banking community or whatever. And sometimes it's very important to do that. If you stand out in the crowd, you know, <laughs> the tigers hunt you down. But in some places, in some different industries, it, it's very important to stand out and not be um, so easily hidden in the pack. So what I'm saying is, you know, find what the trends are, find what the, the, the universals are in the given field, but don't feel compelled to follow them. If you find that there's some clue that you've gotten that you know, these guys want to appear to be mavericks in the field, then, you know, feel free to be a little bit more loose. So uh, below our podcast, people can take a look at, at a couple of logos that you've designed, one for Edgewise Energy, and uh, maybe you can kind of describe what what they're seeing there in that Edgewise Energy logo. Well, Edgewise was a lot of fun to design, really. It was a very, very open palette for me to start with. They didn't really have um, much more than the name to, to start off with, so I got to throw a bunch of um, soft ideas at them, um, just looking at some fonts to try to get a feel for it, some colors. They had maybe 10 different logos the first round, which is more than I like to usually offer, but kind of got on a roll, so I went with it. And what we discussed at some point was where the name came from, because Edgewise, well, this sounds like a cool name, but you know, what does it mean? And they were very quick to explain to me that 
since this is an energy product and they were talking about the grid and you can either be on the grid and dealing with the power companies or off the grid and dealing with you know very much alternative methods their particular niche was on the edge of the grid yeah. neither off or on so i wanted to try to get that particular idea across somehow what what goes into a decision like that where do you go you know lean toward the green which might be more trendy versus a, a blue which might be more toward you know if you're talking about electricity or electrical well we kind of elected to to steer away from the green color deliberately because we didn't want to be you know off the grid we didn't want to necessarily um, align with the entire alternate energy um, you know, spectrum and you know while the eco-friendly sensibility of this company is very important it's not central to it they realize that staying with a, a more of a corporate or a more of a science look, I guess, would be probably better. It was more core to what their values were. And, you know, it was, wasn't a typical blue either. We went with a very electric blue in that color to give it a little bit more pizzazz than usual. And the color of the grid also reflected that. What we did, however, is we gave them a few options. So that the main part of the logo sticks with the, the gray and blue. And then the little subhead, we made that so that can change color because they have possibly three or four different verticals that they want to work with. And we can kind of tag those by having a slight variant on the logo um, without totally restructuring or retailoring it. Just one spot that we know that we will change. What are, what are some of the, the things that you need to consider when you're, when you're building that, that logo? There's one kind of a um, standby tale that, that is not my quote. I can't remember who it comes from, unfortunately. But one designer had said that you want to be able to design a logo so somebody walking by, catching it out of the corner of their eye, will recognize it. Mm-hmm. I wish I could attribute that, but I just think it was a smart quote. I think you should just steal that to yours now. <laughs> it's not mine. But it was a good thought. To have something that's that immediately recognizable requires a certain amount of simplicity to it. They're not... As you're passing by, you're not going to catch a lot of detail. A lot of the niceties that, that we spend hours agonizing over don't get viewed by that many people, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Sometimes they're, they're just almost for ourselves. Do you get a lot of other designers look and go, oh, I see what you did there? Yeah, yeah. It's almost in-jokes you know, among you know, designers, <laughs> certain things that we try try not to do. But um, yeah, it, it has to be able to obviously work in a, a bunch of different media. So something that's going to work well in print may not work quite as well on the web. Something that works great on the web may not work as well on the side of a truck. You, know, you want to be able to think ahead. And not every logo you design is going to have to be used in you know, every possible scenario. But you should be thinking about it, certainly. Because it might be. Is it going to work in black and white? Will it work as a reverse if you have to knock it out? Or print the thing in a metallic on something? As you're designing the logo, you want to test this out for yourself and blow it up big and shrink it down small and see what, what goes away or disappears, um, reverse it, do all sorts of things with it. And then at the end of the day, when you've done all this stuff and your client has decided on that logo, well, then you want to wrap some constraints around it and do a style guide for it so that people don't do all the terrible things you did to the logo as you were testing it out. So maybe you can tell people what what goes into a style guide? What is a style guide? What what should they look for there? Well, some parts of it are kind of simple. I mean, there's the basic usage of the logo is just a descriptor. It's saying, okay, these are the colors that we're using and maybe suggested colors that will go with it. So, And here's how they should look as CMYK. Here's yep. how they should look RGB. And that's the fairly easy descriptor, what fonts you've used, if you've used a font in it, um, whether the, the logo is an icon only, an icon with um, a word with it or words with it. Is it going to have a subtitle with it? 
you know, there's a lot of considerations that you want to have. How is it going to appear if it has a, a slogan that goes along with it? Is the slogan always attached? If it is, is it always in the same spot? You know, none of that is carved in stone uh, at the outset. So you have to figure these things out, you know, in, in conjunction with your client, of course. And then what you want to do also is recommend what fonts are going to work best um, in type along with that logo. So you've got this, imagine uh, a logo sitting at the top of your stationery, and it has a very nice cursive feel to it, like a, a handwriting thing. And you decide that maybe I should put in a, a nice italic font to go along with this. It might not work so much. You might want to go simpler on the, the font that's now going to be in that letter because you've got this very flourishy thing happening above it. Get some better contrast that way. Yeah, you don't, and you don't want to mix too many different you know, elements into it. Uh, so if you have two fonts being used in the logo or the, the logo base, you know, think about you know how many different things you want to have going on. You don't want to have four and five different fonts appearing on a page. It's going to look like hodgepodge or, or a ransom bad, note. Yeah, or a bad bad penny saver ad. No offense to penny saver people, but. So, you know, the considerations are that, how much space uh, should be around the logo at any given time. It's kind of a territorial fight um, if you're saying, okay, well, this logo should never appear without at least being, you know, 50% of the size of a white space all around it. It would be nice, but it's probably not going to happen most of the time. You have to be kind of reasonable about that. And, you know, when you're specifying the fonts, you want to also specify sizes um, as a preference, uh, you know, when people are doing their Word documents or whatever, if somebody really wants to write everything in six-point type or 20-point type, you might want to encourage them to stay within the 12 to 14 range, readable but not gigantic, uh, at least as far as the body. And then what are the headlines going to look like? Are they different? Are the captions going to be somewhat different? You, know, you want to pick an, enough that works within a, a family of fonts that you know gives you enough contrast to define visually different areas, um, different levels of importance. And within those things, you're going to go back to the color palette that you defined before and maybe suggest that headlines will normally be in either black or the secondary color. And captions will either be in black or the secondary color. And then try a few pages out, see what they look like, make sure that it you know, lives up to your expectations, and um, then put it in the style guide. Also understand that people are going to look at that style guide and go, <laughs> yeah. I can do better than that, and basically throw it away a lot of the times. But it's a starting place. It's um, the suggestions like you know Pantone telling you what the colors of the year would be or what styles should be within a given industry. They're, it's a strong suggestion. It's a starting place for other designers to at least Well, for larger organizations, you know, what, what we've seen, what I've seen is the a larger organization might have multiple salespeople, and the salespeople go out and, and they begin to do things on their own. And you know, they the first thing they do is change up the presentation that they're that they're sending out, and they decide that they like a different typeface or something. And and very often, when you ask them, they'd be happy to follow something, but they just don't have a guide. So having some kind of a style guide is uh, is strong for for the re for the listeners today. I think it's important. Uh, if you're listening to what Michael was saying, there's a lot that goes into the thought here. And I, I guess the reason is we're talking about your logo. We're talking about that thing you're going to live with more than anything else in your in your company and in your brand story. You're probably going to live with that for quite a while. Yeah, people change their logos and, and they modify and adapt the logo, especially over time. But uh, it, it's remarkable to me just how consistent a logo stays. You know, I think about the the Morton Salt Girl. They haven't suddenly dropped that. There's been no, you know, no cartoon, you know, bunnies or anything, you know, for that. It's always been the Morton Salt, Salt Girl. And yes, they've 
maybe modified her for the times, but she's always wearing a raincoat and holding an umbrella. And the yellow and blue. It's yellow and blue. And, you know, if anything, they may have you know, sharpened or done a little bit more graphic relief kind of a look to it. But, but uh, you know, that's a consistency, you know, for, for quite a while. So, so I think... Uh, you know, that's that's why it's important to kind of uh, focus and go through. Are there some specific tips or best practices that, that you might want to just kind of leave people with? Well, yeah. What can you do? What can you bring to the table that allows them to be differentiated from all that, that sea of stuff that you're seeing there? You know, is it going to be the development of an icon around that or some different way you're handling the text, the, the fonts themselves and in the word or a different use of color? Um, you know, it's that's the point where, you know, the rubber hits the road and your creativity becomes very important because you are there to differentiate your client from everybody else. Teachers uh, Federal Credit Union, they have a logo that stands out. TD Bank, they've got a brilliant little logo and it's nothing terribly dramatic but you look at that and you recognize it as you're walking past it out of the corner of your eye you'll see that as you're driving down the road those things become important so you know how do you get to that spot so is there a, a process that you have something that you, you know, that you'd walk people through yeah very much um you know as i said the first thing that you do is a written questionnaire of things that are important to you in designing and they can vary ask a lot of questions get answers to the questions and then sit back and and digest it if you have more questions after you've looked at what his you know your clients answers are ask some more that's fine um, once you have some kind of a general idea then the, what we were just talking about doing the research finding out what similar logos or similar companies have get a feel for what other people are doing in the field Decide whether or not you want to somewhat follow the flock, exactly follow the flock, or go renegade. And after that, then you, you start thinking, you start sketching. Well, you know, that music that you're hearing means that we're coming to a close here. Tune in next week, and we'll talk about another topic here on the Brent Talking Podcast. Build a better brand story for your business. Schedule a complimentary consultation with the brand tellers at Communication Strategy Group. Send a note to contact-us at gocsg.com or visit us at communicationstrategygroup.com forward slash contact.